Can TCU have a better offense in 2023? It would be tough to do. They scored a lot of points last year, but we'll talk about it next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Lockdown Home Frogs, your team every day. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, find us wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Simcox, and thank you for making Lockdown Home Frogs part of your day. We're going to talk about TCU's offense in the upcoming season in 2023. Of course, Chandler Morris expected to be the starting quarterback. Um, you have a largely a new offensive line outside of some of your bookends, like Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman at the tackle positions, new wide receivers on the inside and the outside. And I think there's a question of can this offense be even better in 2023? There's a lot of excitement around Kendall Bryle, new office coordinator. Now let me say this. I think like there's there's some sour grapes now with Garrett Riley. Like I've I've seen TCU fans be like, oh, Garrett Riley actually wasn't that great. You know, Sonny Dykes, obviously, like he's a big part of this. It's his offensive philosophy, but it seems like he lets his coordinators really do what they can do. Um, and Garrett Riley led an offense last year that scored 38.8 points per game, almost 40 points a game. That was ninth in the nation. Now, did I have some issues with some of the situational play calling? Yes. Did I think it got a little stale in the red zone at times? Yes. But this was not a functioning offense years leading, even with all the talent that just went to the NFL draft, right? Even with Kendra Miller on the roster and Quentin Johnson on the roster and Max Duggan on the roster and Steve Avila. But still, they found a way to really flip the script and get that team to score points. I thought there were some issues. He's moving on to Clemson. I don't know how that's going to work. But like this idea that suddenly Garrett Riley might not have been as good as, as we thought he was just because he's leaving TCU, like that's silly. So we can we can stop that now. Like, did he have some warts? Sure. But overall, he had a very clear and and good offensive philosophy, and he got production out of that team. That being said, I think Kendall Browse is a really good play caller, um, and I'm excited to see what he can do here at TCU. For context, TCU scored um, 38 points a game last year. Arkansas, they scored 32 points a game last season. So a touchdown less per game. Now, there's some context here, right? They were doing that in the SEC West and the SEC where there's still great defenses. You know, another fascinating thing about this is when you look at the top scoring teams in the nation, Tennessee at one last year with 46 points a game, Ohio State at two, 44, USC at three with 41, Alabama at at four with 41, Georgia at five with 41, Michigan at six with 40. Um, And then you get Washington and UCLA in there. But you look at those top six, Tennessee, Ohio State, USC, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, like all those teams were either in the playoff right outside the playoff. TCU at number nine in the playoff. Yes, it's still important to play defense. I think the biggest gap that TCU is still missing is having, like, dominant guys in the trenches on the offense and defensive line. But we're seeing this more and more. College football is about scoring points. It's about having a dynamic offense that can score points. You still have to stop people. You still have to have a function defense. It's really good if you have some more daddies up front who can pressure the passer and make things happen. But college football, 
year in and year out is becoming about scoring points. Like that's that's the thing. You have to be able to have an offense that can be dynamic. TCU had that last year. We'll see if they can do that again. Now, here's here's where I'm at on the TCU offense. I don't necessarily think they can be better than last year because it's going to be really tough to average 40 points a game, which would essentially be like increasing their their point total and being better. I do think, however, that they can be more efficient this season. Um, last season at times was real boom or bust. You know, it was hitting a lot of big plays down the field and at in those instances where they would sort of stall out, which seemed to happen like once a game, right, where they just have a few drives where it wasn't working and almost seemed like they were kind of wasting, you know, half a quarter or an entire quarter. Uh, and it was a lot of quick three and outs. It was getting in third and long situations that you couldn't convert. Um, and, and at times moving the chains was an issue. One thing that Arkansas did really well last year was run the football. Um, last season – they averaged 239 yards a game on the ground. And you might hear that and think, oh, well, a lot of that has to be K.J. Jefferson, big quarterback. And, I mean, listen, like K.J. Jefferson had 640 yards rushing last year, but Raheem Sanders had 1,400 yards on the ground. They had a few other running backs that had uh, – A.J. Green had over 400 yards. Rashawn Dubon had almost 300 yards on the ground. Um, and they ran the ball better as a team than TCU did, even though Kendra Miller had a great season. Max Duggan had a good season on the ground. Uh, TCU averaged 194 yards a game on the ground. But you saw uh, an Arkansas team that could move the chains, run the ball, and put them in positive situations. And, yes, I think they're going to run a lot of tempo this year. But I feel like you're going to see an offense that works the middle of the field more with guys like John Paul Richardson, JoJo Earl, Jared Wiley, Maybe not DeAndre Rogers, the tight end who's made some waves this this uh, off season. Um, I think they'll use Chandler Morrison spots, and I still feel like they're going to try to make a lot of big plays. But I have questions about how much they can do that with Quentin Johnson gone, you know, Savion Williams on the outside, um, and I guess Dalen Wright probably on the other side of him. That would be my my best guess as to who your other outside guy is at the moment. But I do feel like there is value, even if you're not, you know, a huge big play offense all the time, in moving the chains, using the middle of the field, running the football consistently well, and then scoring in the red zone. And if CCU takes a step forward in those aspects of the game, then even if they don't necessarily score 40 points a game, you could see a more efficient and a better offense in 2023 just by virtue of what they're doing well. And that on the flip side helps your defense. I still think this is, you know, a lot of air raid concepts. I think they're going to be moving pretty quickly. But I feel like you could see a more cohesive and coherent offense in 2023, even if they don't score the points like they did this past season. But um, losing all that talent hurts. I, I think where they'll feel it the most, though, honestly, even though those skill positions are big losses, that offensive line was so experienced last season and they stayed healthy and they did what their they did their job. They did it well. Um, and they held up against pretty much everybody up until that Georgia game. And so losing all that experience on the O-line is going to be tough, but this is a big offensive line with guys like Willis Patrick, um, John Lance, potentially Garrett Hayes. So 
you do wonder, like, are you going to see more of a smash mouth football team this year that is able to maintain the physicality they brought to the table last year that was really beneficial for them? Uh, when we come back, Brett, your mark is about what he's doing with the Big 12, but I'm not a huge fan of one of his latest ideas. We'll talk about that in a moment. Before we do that, though, I do want to talk about FanDuel. FanDuel, uh, they're the official betting partner of the NBA and the NBA playoffs are going on right now. Suns, they knotted up that series with the uh, Nuggets over the weekend, so that's now tied 2-2. Lakers have a 2-1 lead on the Warriors in that series. A lot of great NBA action going on right now, and you can get in on it at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. They have a no-sweat first bet bonus bet deal going on right now, so if you put down a bet of as little as $5, you can get up to potentially up to $1,000 in bonus bets, but FanDuel is going to let you have a little uh, – a little wiggle room here if it comes to that. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You can also download their safe and secure app, the FanDuel app. Um, it's easy to use. It's there for you. FanDuel, it's where the game starts. Official betting partner of the NBA and proud sponsor of the LockedOn Network. So Brett Yormark has been throwing out a lot of really fascinating ideas um, in the last few months since he took over as commissioner of the league. And I've been a fan of most of them. You know, I really think he's he's going to do a, an official Big 12 combine with the NFL starting this next offseason, which I think is a brilliant idea. It's going to give some exposure to guys who might not typically get it. It's going to be a great working relationship with the Big 12 and the NFL. The NFL Network is going to broadcast that, which will be good for the league. He's a very forward-thinking person. Um, you know, there's still obviously the big thing with the realignment right now is there's still so many rumors about the Pac-12. Are they going to get a TV deal done? Um, are, are the current members of the Pac-12 discontent with what they have? Could they move to the Big 12? Ultimately, that's all going to work out here probably in the next few months. And I want the Big 12 to survive. I want it to thrive. I think there's a decent chance that they could end up with maybe the Arizona schools and potentially even like Colorado um, if the Pac-12 can't find a TV deal that's workable. I feel like Brett Yormark's done a great job of changing the perception of the league from, um, you know, kind of a, an also-ran that doesn't uh, doesn't see the future and isn't ready for prime time to a place that's in a, in a much better spot now in 2023. But I saw this come across, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You can comment here on YouTube or, or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Simcox Steven, the show that locked on TCU. The Big 12 is setting up to play some football and basketball games um, in Mexico City and Monterey, Mexico. Uh, and it would start with a preferred top 10 matchup between Kansas and Houston. This is according to Sports Illustrated and other outlets. The conference has 10 plans to hold a regular season game south of the border um, in the coming months. Uh, they're going to try to play some basketball games there during the 2024-25 season in football in the fall of 2025. And a long-term plan, they're also aiming to add baseball and soccer games. Um, and so your mark's been aggressive, uh, and he wants to go the international route with some of these games from a basketball perspective. doesn't really bother me too much. Like, okay. Basketball teams, they usually play tourneys tournaments, especially around like Thanksgiving, Christmas time. They play tournaments, uh, internationally, usually like in Bahamas or Cabo or something like that. Um, and so if you want to play a couple regular season games in Mexico city, Monterey, Mexico, that's cool. I'm not a huge fan of football games there. Um, and, and I say that simply because 
I know the Big Ten has done this. Like they had Northwestern and Nebraska, I believe, in Ireland last year. Uh, Notre Dame's gone to Ireland a few times, which obviously makes sense. I'm just not sure. Like, is there a huge market for games there? And maybe there is, and I'm just missing it. Um, and I'm sure like Yormark's done studies on the potential revenue. But it, it just seems like Brett Yormark really sees the Big 12, and I think this is one of the good things about him. He is trying to treat the conference as a professional sports league. And in a lot of ways, that is the future of college football. But I don't want to lose a TCU home game uh, in, in an exchange get like an international game, right? Like, and I know some TCU fans might be like, man, I'd, I'd love to go down there for that. And I get that. But I just feel like I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, uh, a few years back when Ohio State and TCU, they – they scratched the home and home, which I don't know all the details of why that happened, but they scratched the home and home and they just played one game at Cowboy Stadium. I don't like neutral site games in the regular season. I don't want to lose a chance to be at the Carter. I think it's a disservice to the fans. I think it's, you know, a disservice to the team in some ways. Um, college ball is really supposed to be a regional sport, and it's not it's not that anymore. It's obviously become national and in some ways international. The NFL has done this for years, right? Like they've gone over to London and they've seen enough benefit that they keep doing it year after year. But I don't I don't really get this idea. I'm not sure, you know, baseball games, basketball games, that's cool. There's a lot of those. If you want to play a couple of those games um, internationally, I understand that. I'm just not sure why football will be a huge draw um, in, in that context. But – We'll see how it plays out. I know he's, you know, trying all these different things. I appreciate how innovative he's been. I think ultimately your mark's been great for the Big 12. I'm just not a huge fan of this particular idea, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Again, you can comment on YouTube. I'm at Simcox Steven on Twitter. The show is at Locked on TCU. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll wrap it up. TCU baseball got a serious win, and so we'll discuss that next on Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, final thing for you, uh, TCU Baseball Frogs take down Cal State Fullerton. They win two out of three. Actually lost the Friday night game. Uh, Luis Rodriguez had a good start, only gave up two runs over um, – I can't remember if he went five or six innings, but he only gave up two runs. Uh, but TCU just could not score. Braden Taylor's solo home run was the only run of the night for the Frogs. They dropped that one two to one. But then on Saturday um, – they get a victory and add a little shake up to their rotation. Steven uh, Stroutenberg, Sam Stroutenberg, excuse me, got the start for TCU baseball. And then Cole Klecker actually ended up throwing a few innings on Sunday. So not sure what the thought process is there. They've been kind of changing the starting rotation, going back and forth all year long. But uh, they actually get the Saturday game. They win that 13-4, to scored a lot of runs uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Ended up with eight runs on the bottom of the eighth to break that game open and get a 13-4 to victory. Um, Sam Stroutenberg went four and two-thirds, only gave up two runs. Luke Savage came in in relief and did a really nice job. He pitched three and a third um, of scoreless baseball. And so he looks like he might be getting back into form. Um, and then on Sunday, I, I talked about this, but Cole Klecker got the start. He only threw two innings, but they were clean innings, only gave up one hit. And then Cam Brown came in, and he went three and a third, no runs, um, struck out five, did walk three, but struck out five and looked really sharp. And so TCU ends up winning that Sunday game by a score of uh, final there was six to one. So TCU wins two out of three over Cal State Fullerton, who came in ranked number 24 in the country. 
nice series win by the Frogs. Um, we'll see. I, I saw D1's going to release their field of 64, their projected field of 64 on Wednesday. So we'll see how much this moves the needle as far as like bracketology goes. Um, they were completely out of it, not even like one of the four, first four teams out um, in the latest projection. But winning a series at home is a big deal. No midweek game this week, but they will play Baylor Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, hopefully they can sweep the Bears. Baylor's having a really tough year. They're currently last in the Big 12. So sweep Baylor, that's that's the formula. And then I think if you take two out of three of Kansas State, they'll have a strong at-large um, resume, even though we'll have to see what happens in the Big 12 tournament. TCU baseball bouncing back. Pitching staff was really good this weekend. And, you know, Ken Brown was good last year in those situations where he would come in after a few innings and did a nice job in, in like kind of middle relief. So I'm not sure if that's the that's the new formula. Like I said, it seems like Kirk Sarloos is just having to try things week to week. Um, but maybe that's the new way they want to go. Cole Collector kind of like an opener and then Brown taking over. Um, Rodriguez looked really good again. He's been great since he moved into the starting rotation. So he might end up being your Friday guy, at least for now. But we'll stay tuned to all that here on Locked on Horn Frogs. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Again, it's 